Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer, Connor Letourneau, and I'm joined today by my boss, assistant sports editor and former Warriors beat writer, Janie Hu. So we're here at the San Francisco Chronicle newsroom uh, a few hours before I'm, I got to head out on the road for what is going to be the longest road trip of the season. Uh, quite the gauntlet, six cities, 10 days, uh, everywhere from L.A., Orlando, Miami, New Orleans, Charlotte, Detroit. Um, and it, this is probably the, the most travel-heavy stretch of the season because this is going to come after we we just got back from a four-city, seven-night gauntlet, and then uh, they had three games and five nights at home. And so now now we're, we're heading on this this even crazier stretch. So I'm a little tired, but thank, thank you for giving me uh, last night off. Um, <laughs> You're it, very welcome. I, I needed it, uh, but uh, I'm also excited because there's a lot of interesting things percolating with this team right now. You, you know, I actually counted. Um, I, I took a calendar out today, and the Warriors had three home games. They're in a stretch with three home games in 27 days. So that just speaks to uh, the NBA travel schedule, which is actually, they made a point to make it lighter this year so the team does not have any four games and five night stretches um, they're trying to limit the back-to-backs of course you guys just had one which was a home back and back the Warriors played I believe they hosted Chicago and New Orleans mm-hmm. have you talked to the players at all about the travel schedule and their thoughts on it yeah no they they they're really happy with it and Steve is extremely happy about it, Steve Kerr if you remember last season a big reason why Adam Silver and the NBA felt compelled to adjust uh, the travel schedule and, and the NBA schedule to make it less demanding on, on players is because of what happened with the nationally televised game in San Antonio last March where Steve rested really all of his core guys and that you know the, they got killed by an also depleted uh, Spurs team and in, in front of a national TV audience, a primetime game on TNT. Uh, so the part of the reason that they, they adjusted that was because of that. And so, um, there, from my perspective, it's been interesting because just this last road trip, we had two straight days off back to back on the road, which almost never happens. You probably remember when you were traveling with the Warriors back in the day, that's very rare. No, we had the five road games in seven nights (laughs) scenario where it's literally, one city, another city, a day off maybe, uh, and then yeah, two more games, a day off. So it's a uh, that's something that they did cut out with this new travel schedule. No more five games in seven day stretches, I believe. Right, right, and, and so or maybe it's four and five. Yeah, four. No, no more four and fives. Um, which which is nice not only for the players but for for myself. Um, and uh, so I, I'm not complaining either. Um, but the the interesting thing about that is that even though it's it's a lot less demanding on the players. Steve is still making a point to find rest for guys. Um, you know, he, he makes sense. He's found rest periodically throughout the season for his older guys, David West, uh, Sean Livingston, Andre Guadalla. Um, but he rested Draymond Green the other night, which was a little surprising. That was the first time he had done that this season. Um, Draymond wasn't super stoked about it, as you can imagine. Um, but Steve said that, Looking at the finals last June, watching the film of that, it looked like Draymond was worn down. And if you remember the finals, he didn't he didn't play that great. He shot like thirty one percent from the field, 
he was st- he was solid defensively, but he had a bunch of fouls, and he just wasn't necessarily as mentally locked in as he normally is. And uh, he, they, you know, this team is is geared toward the long run. They're they're focused on another championship run, so they want to avoid burnout. And so uh, he sat the other night for the Chicago game, uh, and a couple other guys have been sitting. Not, for injuries, but they're injuries that aren't necessarily major. And Steve has said that if this was the playoffs, they would, uh, they would be playing, um, guys like, you know, just last night, Durant and Curry both, both sat out and they lost to what's considered to be a pretty bad, uh, Kings team, a Kings team that only had five wins. Uh, so what do you think of that? what do you think of their decision to, to sit those guys uh, in a game like that. Uh, I'm going to go back to Ron Krejcik's lead from today's uh, his game story, which is so they can play without one MVP, but apparently not two MVPs. Right. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think it's, uh, it's a super conservative approach, which is a good thing. The NBA season, as we all know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's super cliched to say that. But... Um, it, it, the regular season is so long. The playoffs are so incredibly long. We have two full months afterwards of games that actually matter. Um, and that, I, I think, you know, it's it's a page out of Greg Popovich's book. Um, I'm going to give my stars some rest. If we lose a game, oh well. And honestly, it's hard to argue with that. Um, you want your guys fresh uh, for the playoffs for sure. Um, and for the Warriors, you know, look at the um, Pacific standings right now. They're already... I don't know how many games it is, right. five, six games ahead. Um, it, it's it's hard to make the argument. You know, we talk about this a lot. Does the regular season matter? Yeah. I don't know. What yeah. would you say? I mean, what we're talking about here is worst case scenario. Like, let's be realistic here. Worst case scenario is maybe they don't get the number one overall seed. Maybe they're not the number one seed in the West and they don't have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. That would be a disappointment given the fact that this is – the most loaded roster in recent NBA history, maybe ever. Um, but keep that in perspective. I mean, what's the what does that mean? You know, they could still very well make the finals. They could very well they're still going to be favored to win the championship, even if they're not the number one seed. So I think the Warriors they want the number one overall seed. That's the goal, but they're not going to be freaking out if that doesn't happen. Um, and th- and, and the interesting thing about this team is they keep perspective about regular season losses. Unlike any team I've been around, um, they, you know, after the, the OKC game the other night in OKC, that was a nationally televised game. Durant, you know, Durant homecoming, uh, obviously a really raucous atmosphere. They got blown out, played one of their worst games of the year, if not their worst. And, you know, they were in the locker room, joking around smiling and it, i don't and i don't think the, that fans should be upset hearing that because it's not that they don't take it seriously it's that they have the perspective of what that means i mean it's a regular season loss they were playing really well before that you know they they went on a nice seven game winning streak not long before that so it's not the end of the world you want to know what's funny uh, that I think about this conversation? It's not whether or not Coach Steve Kerr is sitting Steph Curry or being more careful with Kevin Durant when we're talking about who's playing, who's not. It's like the question out of last night's game, like, why didn't he play Jordan Bell more? It's really yeah. <laughs> like it's 
it's these other guys that are not the superstars and nobody seems to uh, be a lightning rod especially for the Warriors fan base right now as Jordan Bell uh, fans are in love with him um mm-hmm. everybody wants to know why didn't Kerr play him more last night what's your thought on this whole Jordan Bell well Jordan Bell's had a really interesting rookie season because you know he came in people were high on him the moment they paid 3.5 million dollars to the Bulls to get him because that is a guy who fits what they do really well um he, you know, he wasn't necessarily supposed to be a second-round pick, and then they, they nab him, don't even have to give up a player to get him. It was kind of an example of the genius that a lot of people think uh, Bob Myers is. And then he comes in, has a really nice summer league, has a really nice preseason, and then makes an e- immediate impact in the regular season. Um, cracked the rotation right away, had a couple really big, really nice games. The thing about Jordan Bell is – it's, it's almost become funny because every time he steps on the court, he has a sports center worthy highlight within the first 30 seconds. I mean, it happened again last night with a big dunk. It happened uh, the other night against Chicago with the alley-oop lob from, uh, from Zaza Pachulia um, every single time almost. And fans love that. They love the energy he brings, the block shots. I mean, he started in place of Draymond for the Chicago game, which was obviously a nice little – storyline because Chicago is a rebuilding team who could use a guy like Jordan Bell right now and gave him away for nothing but money and um, he had six blocks uh, in his first ever start which he is the first rookie to ever do that in his first start since DeAndre Jordan 2009 Um, this is a guy who's a rotation caliber player who's in and out of the rotation just because of reasons beyond his own control because this team is so incredibly deep i mean he's been inactive i want to say at least a half dozen times this season and there he wouldn't be inactive on any other team in this league you know he reminds me of like a mini draymond green and how (laughs) warriors say you know you gotta let draymond be draymond you kind of let jordan bell be jordan bell uh his kind of uh really off the uh, wild antics, sometimes the throwing yeah. the uh, lob to himself and uh, cash considerations. Yeah. What do his teammates think of that? They love it. <laughs> and Draymond loves it more than anyone. Um, I thought, I thought it, the thing about it is you can say, oh, he shouldn't be doing that. He's a rookie. But you also have to look at it from the perspective of he has an incredible amount of confidence and that's what it takes to really be successful in this league. You need to believe in yourself. You need to you need to feel that you belong. And his first, you know, that that Dallas game where he threw the lob to himself, that was like his third game ever in the league. And this is a second round pick. Right. That does not a lot of rookie second round picks would do that in their third NBA game. Um, and I talked to, you know, people close to him and his high school coach who's kind of like a father figure to him who told me that is that's Jordan. He does that. He did that in high school multiple times. You go on YouTube right now, you can find a high school game, a big time high school game that he played his senior year uh, where he it was they were up by like two points in the final minutes and he did that and he broke a backboard. I mean, that's, amazing. that's how he rolls. And I thought it was I thought that uh, it was in, in a, encouraging in a way that he embraced the moment of of starting that game against the team that traded him. And, you know, he was in when he got his name called pregame, he, he did the the money gesture with his hands. Right. And when he was asked after the game, why'd you do that? He was like, I was seeing how cash considerations was doing 
on the I, bench. I love that. How do you not love that? Yeah, and because um, the thing that you have to keep in mind, too, is this is a guy who was inactive for the previous five games. Right. He went from being inactive for the previous five games to the starting lineup and wasn't scared at all and had a great game. He, he posted a Draymond Green-esque stat line, played very much like Draymond Green, and talked like Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> and I wrote a whole story yes, or two days ago about that and about their mentorship and their, their relationship. It's been cool to follow that because Draymond's a guy who, who Jordan has actually studied in a very detailed way for the past three-plus years. And now he has the chance to learn from him. And a big reason why he was drafted is because the Warriors see a lot of similarities between them. And I think, honestly, that the sky's the limit for Jordan. I think he can be an elite player. Do you think uh, Kerr's going to start giving him a little bit of a longer leash? Or has he earned more playing time? What do you see for him in the rotation? Yeah, now? he said last night that he's going to need to find more minutes for Jordan. And, you know, he's been he's he said that was the first time he's really admitted that um, because up until this point he said you know we kind of Jordan's getting the rookie treatment you know he's playing well but you have to pay your dues and Kevon Looney had been playing well but I think what Jordan's done the past couple games has really forced Steve's hand to the point where he has to play him because he's played at that level Kevon Looney's had some nice moments had some good games and I know he's wanted to play Kevon but I don't think you can deny Jordan at this point. Right. Um, so I expect him to, to get regular minutes. Will it be big-time minutes when KD and Steph come back? No. But I expect him to play every game, which is, a, which is an improvement over what was the case much of the season. Right. So we're recording uh, this uh, podcast on a Tuesday morning um, after the Warriors just lost to Sacramento. Um, what's uh, let's take stock of where we are injury wise. Um, Kevin Durant, I mean, obviously, they started the season and, and we're pretty healthy. Now we have these little nagging injuries. Kevin Durant probably is the biggest concern. Yeah, because the, the whole Durant injury was interesting because he actually Got that he got that injury in the Philadelphia game last week, uh, early in that Philadelphia game, and he still had like twenty seven points. There was no signs of a ankle injury mm -hmm. in that game, um, but then came out the next day that he was had some soreness, um, missed the Brooklyn game, and then he practiced the next couple of days with no problems. Played in the OKC game, didn't play great in the OKC game, but there wasn't necessarily signs that he was hurt um, and then apparently he had soreness the next day after the OKC game and Steve Kerr admitted that we probably shouldn't have played him I mean obviously Durant felt some extra motivation to play that game against his former team and in front of that crowd um, but you know he I, I don't want to say it's concerning but it's surprising I mean I, I wouldn't I never expected it to to last this long he does have you know he had uh he's gonna have a day to get ready uh now for this lakers game tomorrow and uh you know it's it's a pretty travel heavy stretch so i would expect him to play tomorrow if he if he doesn't i definitely expect him to play at some point at, at the front end of this of this road trip but um but no it's been surprising but like i said not anything to freak out about right um, you mentioned the Lakers are heading down to Los Angeles to play them uh, Wednesday. Um, I wanted to know, <laughs> we see the headlines uh, and everything else. Uh, the, this, I don't know if you would call it noise or white noise around the Lakers and Lonzo Ball. What's been his rep 
around the league. Are the players talking about him, uh, you know, or his dad? Yeah. I haven't, you know, I'm sure they'll get a lot of those questions tomorrow at shoot around. Um, I haven't talked to them specifically about Lonzo. I've heard, I've overheard them mention him in the locker room, just, you know, when the TV's on, because it seems like they're on the TV all the time. If you remember uh, in Brooklyn, that the day that Trump tweeted about uh, LeVar Ball, uh, Steve was asked about that situation and, and basically said he's tired of hearing from both Trump and LeVar. <laughs> right. And he, he actually asked media to stop covering LeVar. He's like, you probably can't stop covering the president of the United States, but you can probably stop covering Le- LeVar Ball, which is fair. I kind of agree with him, to be honest. Um, well, and, you know, we start, we were talking earlier about Jordan Bell and, you know, all the the pressures that rookies face. This is Lonzo's a rookie trying to make a name for himself, trying to figure out the rhythm and the pace of a game. It can't be easy when you have this these other distractions going on around you. It just is, no. it seems to me like, you know, I know LeVar Ball has basically groomed the, the basketball careers of his sons, but uh, it's at what point. You know, and right. I see a lot of stories coming out of L.A. At what point does that cross the line? I think that his dad has, has hurt him in a lot of ways. I think I, I think that it's hard to say that they're directly related, but it definitely doesn't help when you're because what it does is his dad is hyping him up. You know, his, his, he's a bigger deal because his dad talks so much and his dad's in the headlines so much. So implicitly, maybe not, maybe people don't think about this directly, but they have higher expectations for Alonzo because they hear his name so much. Anytime you hear someone's name so much, you're going to think, okay, they got to back this up. And I think, I think people have gotten a little, the expectations have gotten a little out of hand. I never thought Lonzo ball was going to come in and be, the way LeBron was his rookie year or, you know, be this dominant impact player as a rookie. I thought best case scenario, maybe in four to five years, he'll be a Jason kid type, right? Which is a phenomenal career to have, but he's not going to wow you, especially offensively. He's, he's literally dead last in the NBA in shooting percentage right now. He's third, he's shooting 31% from the field. That is horrible by any measure. <laughs> Yet the Lakers have to play him because he's the future of their franchise. He's the number two pick. Right. The funny thing is Jordan Clarkson's playing a lot better than him. And he's a better point guard. If they're trying to win games right now, Clarkson should probably be starting. I understand why he's not, though. Right. Well, we've got some good stuff to look forward to tomorrow yeah. night. Um, I want to take stock because we're about at the quarter way through the season right now. And obviously the expectations were already sky high for the Warriors this season. Um, people seem to have just penciled them into another NBA Finals. But what are your impressions so far a quarter of the way through? Um, I mean, if, if you had to give it a letter grade or, or, or that kind of that kind of thing I'd probably give them a B B minus um, you know they you can see the potential you can see how absolutely dominant this team can be I honestly think when this team is firing on all cylinders they're even better than last season's team because I think the bench is better and they also have another year playing together and they're comfortable with each other um, that third quarter in the Philadelphia game when they outscored a good 76ers team in Philly 70, 47 to 15, it, you know, when we're talking about greatest teams ever, go just go watch that quarter because that, that is what this team's ceiling is. But there, as we have been saying since preseason, since training camp, their biggest obstacle is going to be complacency, inattention, you know, getting bored. And you've seen that 
be even a bigger problem than I expected it to be. Um, you know, they're they're really lazy with their passing a lot of the times. They have a bunch of turnovers. Defensively, they'll just not bring it. Last night, they just were not on. They just weren't awake on that side of the ball. You know, they they gave up 110 points to a pretty poor a pretty poor offensive. Uh, you know, Sacramento team at home. So um, they they just don't put it all together. And I think part of it is that Draymond Green isn't hasn't been as consistent as he normally is and Draymond Green is a guy who's the emotional leader of this team he sets the tone defensively and I, and he's even admitted publicly that he hasn't been there mentally uh, the way he normally is he he spoke at Harvard last week which was a really cool experience but he spoke at Harvard and took ownership over the fact that at the time they had three losses and those three losses were because of him and that might be an overstatement but they kind of come and go as Draymond Green goes in a lot of, a lot of instances, and I, I think he needs to be more, bring more uh, energy, especially on the defensive end, night in and night out for them to, you know, win sixty plus games, which honestly they should. I was talking to our Giants beat writer Henry Schulman about this. Um, obviously, the, the Giants did not have a good season this year, so putting on two different planes with them and the Warriors. But we were talking about like emotional leadership, and uh, specifically a guy like Hunter Pence, and who was known as the the rock of you know the, the heartbeat in a way of the team, um, rah rah guy, and um, you know what he was doing in the middle of this season to kind of cheer you know not cheer the Giants up but kind of get them going and what Henry said that I thought was really interesting is that it's it's hard for guys sometimes when they're not playing well to assume that role too um so I'm just wondering if there's just sort of like cause and effect relationship there um do you need to start playing well to be able to to kind of be that guy that that central guy well I think with Draymond a lot of him playing well is just based in energy I mean when he's not playing well it's because he isn't there mentally his his uh motor isn't up the way it, it should be because he's not a guy that you're necessarily going to ask to score 20 points you know he a lot of his stuff isn't about the ball going in the net it's about stuff that you can bring night in and night out you know it's not it's not a matter of luck you know it's not a matter of the ball the the ball falling the right way so they're like the hustle plays the yeah, energy it's the hustle that, plays. Yeah. It's, and and if he's doing all that and not making his shots they're gonna be fine you know it's just a matter of him you know being right on the defensive end and and bring being that emotional leader which I, he's he's been in and out you know uh in terms of that this season yeah you know you mentioned the the philly game um uh and, and their brilliant play there at the end um it's what seems like this season has lacked so far is just that kind of signature really like rousing performance clay's 60 point game for yeah. instance and it looked like steph was on his way um with that 26 i think 26 point second quarter against chicago yeah, yeah. um and then basically didn't play the second half which is fine but yeah. it's just it, there hasn't been to me that signature moment no there hasn't um you know there were there were a decent amount last last year you mentioned the 60 point game steph setting the three pointers record draymond having the first triple double without points there hasn't been anything quite like that. You know, I think you also need to keep in mind that stuff was pretty rare. Uh, they have See, done. This is what what's wrong with the boys. They spoil their uh, fan no, base. No, they do. But, you know, 47 point third quarter is pretty impressive. Um, you know, th they've had some pretty spectacular games. But I think what you're getting at a little bit is that they haven't had really a complete performance, at least against 
a good team. You know, they've they've had you know they dominated uh, Dallas at Dallas, but like Dallas is probably you know one of the worst teams in the league. Um, and they've had some good good games against bad teams, but you they just they're not putting it together for four quarters consistently. I, I it almost gets boring <laughs> as as someone who's at every game because. You see them, you know, they might get off to a decent start. They'll let the team back by halftime. And then normally they'll go on a big third quarter run and win convincingly. And it's like if you're Steve Kerr, you get tired of seeing that because it shouldn't take that. It shouldn't take halftime to make those adjustments. You should be able to do that the entire game. Um, And once they get, you know, to the postseason, they're playing these good teams. They're going to they can't rely on that anymore. And and obviously things everything changes in the postseason. They're they're naturally going to be more focused because it's the postseason, but those habits need to be built. You know, you need to practice that stuff. Right. It is. It's. Uh, I think you see it as a, a like a faucet that you can turn on and off. Right. Um, but I guess the good news is we are really only a quarter of the way through. Yeah. Um, so they have plenty of time to get those uh, habits in order. No, I think I think they're in good shape. Anyone that's worried about them right now, uh, you know, they're going to be fine. I even like we said earlier, even if they're not the number 1 overall seed, they're still going to be the favorite to win it all. I would still be surprised if they don't win it all. They're just they're just the most talented team in the league. So, I really appreciate you Janie for for taking the time with me. This is going to be a regular podcast that we're going to be doing throughout the season. So, uh, and pretty soon we're going to try to get this up on iTunes. So, so be listening once it gets on iTunes. Uh, definitely follow us and we look forward to uh, doing this going forward. Sounds good.